Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show. On this episode of the podcast, we will be discussing everything Whistle Pig. We'll go through the history of the distillery, current news, and of course, our personal favorite aspect of the show, the tastings. With me, as always, is my intrepid and brilliant co-host, Andy Kleschik. Andy, how are you doing on this fine Saturday afternoon? You know, I'm doing good. Uh, just getting, you know, one week closer to uh, the bachelor party for you. Yeah, that's you right. You know, getting all the distillery tours, everything like that, booked for it. Yeah, so it's been, it's like... It's something like 120 days at this point until the wedding, and it's something like 39 days or 40 days until the bachelor. About party. a it's month getting, and a half. Right. It's getting really. Two months. It's getting really close to a lot of big things. St. So. Patrick's Day weekend, we're doing the bachelor, bachelor party, right. so that should be very interesting. So yeah, we're really <laughs> excited because so everyone. It sounds like everyone. I don't know if I told you, uh, Reinhardt, uh, my guy, my friend who's out in California. He's actually going. He decided. He told me he's going to fly into Cincinnati. Oh shit! And then drive down to Louisville from Cincinnati with us instead of flying oh, shit. from California <laughs> right into Louisville. Um, so he's. But he. And the reason he decided to do that was because I told him most people were coming. All or I should say all the out of town people are come after I talked to them and I confirmed it last week and they're all coming into town on Thursday night and then we're all going to drive down Friday. So basically we are, we're adding an extra night to the bachelor party here in Cincinnati where we're all going to get together and kind of hang out and do that. So I told yeah. him about that and then he uh deci- he decided he's like okay, well I'm just going to fly into Cincinnati on Thursday and then I'll just drive down with you and maybe he'll fly out of Louisville. I would imagine is to how, California. Is, right is how he's going to which would be the smartest way to do that. Um, but he, I don't think he wanted to miss out on this that extra night of us hanging out. So I mean, the, you got to celebrate St. Patrick's Day with us somehow, which is right? Exa- <laughs> right, exactly. Which the Thursday is St. Patrick's Day, so we'll get to celebrate on page St. Patrick's Day. But most people celebrate St. Patrick's Day on the Saturday we of the weekend. We'll get to be down in Louisville for the bachelor party and celebrate it that time as well. Yeah. So it's going to be a crazy uh, fun weekend. Um, we've got two distilleries already uh, distillery tours already booked. We're going to Rabbit Hole and we're going to Angels Envy. Uh, the plant, or oh, sorry, I should oh, say Old Forester, sorry. Trying to get Angel's Envy. Trying to get Angel's Envy. And I really want to go to Mick Durr's, uh, but we might have an issue with that. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I still, I really do want to go to that uh, dis, to, uh, that distillery. Uh, but we might we're have, trying to work around the issues. Right. So, so we'll just kind of see what, what they're doing at the time we're down there um, or, you know, in the next month or so. But yeah, we're, and then we got a, we've, I've already booked the reservation for our uh, steak dinner at Jeff Ruby's yes. uh, Louisville location. So we all get our Ron Swanson on. Get a nice steak, have some whiskey or wine or whatever, have some mac and cheese or you know whatever we want. And if the Bengals make it further in the playoffs, we're gonna sit here and go down to party source like they do, get some more uh, some uh, celebratory celebratory cigars, cigars you know, for the weekend. <laughs> That's right. We'll have, we'll have to do that. Um, so yeah, so we're kind of getting everything online, and everyone's finally paid up their portion of the <laughs> Air, of the Airbnb. Dan finally paid me today. Um, uh, so yeah, we were everything's paid up and we're, we're everything's booked and everyone's confirmed and uh, I'm sure Reinhardt will be sending me his itinerary, his flight itinerary in the next uh, week yeah. or so. And um, yeah, man, it's gonna be a freaking blast. And March Madness is going on while we're down fall there. Out down there. Yeah, March Madness will be going on. Um, so we'll have to make sure we're tracking. We see the Xavier and Duke games that they play. Yeah, uh, and I don't know who else, anyone real else roots for Ohio State uh, from Murphy. Um, so we'll see how it goes. If UC makes the tournament, see if we can have them, Xavier and UC on uh, opposite ends of the back to make uh, 
crossed down 2.0. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this year. As long as Xavier does that's well, all, that's all that matters. That's all that, I mean, that's always something you got to root for in Cincinnati right. if that happens. Yeah. So that'll be really fun. But uh, anyways, why don't we uh, go ahead and jump on into the show. Um, Andy, go ahead and tell the folks out there everything they need to know about Whistle Pig. Of course. So Whistle Pig, as a uh, brand, was founded in, in 07, but really it wasn't kind of until 2008 when they were founded as a distillery in um, Shoreham, Vermont. Um, Our first Vermont whiskey, I yeah, believe. I think probably the only Vermont whiskey as far as I know. Yeah. Have you had this one before? Because um, we're doing this. We're kind doing, of an off We're drinking team. the six-year piggyback. Um, kind of an off times, like okay. tried them a few different times. So you have had it before. Yeah. So you've um, never had this before. What? I've never had this one before, oh, so yeah. I'm very excited for it. Yeah. Um, you, you know, it is something that, you know, they bought the, um, Whistle Pig Farm in 2007, but it wasn't until 2008 that they founded the actual distilling operations up there. And it was something that, you know, they founded it, at least a distilling arm of it. With the intent of crafting the finest rye whiskeys, and that's all they produce is rye whiskeys up there. Um, they don't produce bourbons, anything else. Um, and they worked, you know, you know, something in the industry with most craft uh, distilleries seems to be kind of famous for them to do. They uh, worked with Dave Pickerel of Maker's Mark fame. He was, you know, of hmm. course, a former master distiller there. Um, seems like every other craft distillery dang near works with them to do stuff. Right. Um, but they worked with We've him. We've talked about him on yeah. multiple previous <laughs> I, podcasts. Seems well, like was he involved in Blackened too? Blackened, I mean, or among Maker's several Star other, and, yeah, you know, craft distilleries that we've done. Seems like every other craft distillery we talk about, Seriously. he's somehow involved. Seriously. Um, but you know, they worked with him, and he actually helped them discover and purchase a stock of a. At least at the start, 10-year-old uh, Canadian whiskeys. And I think they're still using Canadian rye and Canadian whiskeys to date um, while they're working on distilling their own product. Um, but some of their products are you know, still sourcing Canadian, undisclosed Canadian. So I don't really know which, you know, if it's Crown Royal or who else is up in Canada, Seagram's, who else up in Canada would be distilling it, but, you know, sourcing at least part of their um, distillates from Canada. Um, you know, they worked with him to discover that initial stock and purchase it. Um, and it was something that, you know, when they were talking about the um, name, obviously kind of part of the name came from the uh, farm that they had, but also it came from a... Um, kind of an urban legend that they had where their other, one of their founders saw one of these mountain men and mountain men in Vermont in the woods who was talking about a whistle pig, which is kind of a common vernacular or offhand vernacular for a uh, groundhog. Hmm. Um, and it, you know, like I said, was the initial farm name of whistle, pig, whistle pig farm. Um, so that's kind of where they, came up with the idea for the distillery name of, well, Whistlepig. Yeah. Um, and it was something that, you know, from the beginning, they've always tried to do everything as a um, estate distillery, meaning as much as they can, um, well, literally everything that they can do on-site, they're going to do on-site. 
meaning, you know, growing the grain, distillation, harvesting it, the grain through distillation, aging it, bottling it on site. Right. Well, that is the initial idea of everything that we're going to do. Hmm. Of course, obviously, you know, unless you're doing a clear white spirit, um, you know, like a kind of a moonshine or white dog or uh, vodka gin, something like that, you can't really do that um, with a whiskey. So, you know, that's where the Canadian whiskey came in at the beginning of it all. Uh, and at least from 08 until 2015, you know, they were uh, sourcing all their whiskey. Um, you know, at which point, you know, they were um, then using their unique copper pot still that Pickerel had actually designed, um, <clears throat> you know, to begin... Um, distilling some of their own stuff during that time while um, they were sourcing some of that other stuff to begin making their own distillate um, and then bottling everything uh, on premises. Uh, and of course, it was around 2014, 2015 when they actually, if I recall my dates correctly, that they uh, received approval from Vermont and federal level to actually begin distilling their own you know, rye whiskeys and everything. Hmm. Uh, and like you said, you know, they focus exclusively on rye. They don't focus on any other type of whiskey. Uh, no bourbons, no other American-type whiskeys, or anything else. Um, but, you know, within that, you know, they definitely use <clears throat> uh, a ton of finishing methods for their whiskeys. Like the first couple batches of their uh, 10-year-old rye uh, use a two-barrel aging method where they um, <clears throat> would use the first barrel was a new uh, charred oak barrel, similar to, you know, like what an American rye or bourbon would use um, and legally required to use here in America. And then the second would be using um, ex-bourbon barrels. Hmm. And all of this would go in... <clears throat> Uh, you know, into their various different products that they use or that they uh, distill, all of which, to my knowledge, I think are 100% rye in some fashion. Um, you know, some they might use different varieties of rye, but all of it's 100% rye, as far as I know. Uh, of course, you know, today we're trying their piggyback, piggyback six-year rye, which is 100% rye, but they don't specify if it's just one variety of rye or multiple varieties okay. uh they have their farm stock rye as well which is a triple uh triple terroir which is are using their own grain their own wood from the farm and their own water from the farm to you know distill and age everything um then of course they have their 10 12 uh 15 and 18 year rye, um which of course they're not old enough really to at least yet, you know, use some of those as their own. Um, but the rye, you know, the 18-year rye is a 79% rye, 15% malted rye, 6% malted barley mash bill. I think that's the only one where they don't use 100% uh, rye mash bill in some fashion. And then a few other ones, you know, a few other farm stock ryes that they have. And then their top shelf one that they price, like, way up there um that they're on i think number seven or eight now the uh the boss hog 
Um, right. Which they're actually on a Boss Hog eight, and that one is you know that's their uh, single barrel one. That's their only only single barrel expression barrel strength um, offering that they have, and it's something where they double finish it in rum casks. Ooh. Um, or I, I think at least the one at least the Boss Hog eight is rum casks, but I think every one they double finish. It may be a different variety of cask hmm. as the second finishing um, cask in it. Um, but, you know, it's something that, like I said, that's their most expensive one they have. They basically priced that one at what it would have been secondary. I mean, that's... Wow. I didn't feel like sitting here and buying that one, let's yeah. say. I didn't think it's a very pricey brand. Yeah, yeah. I didn't feel like dropping 800 bucks on a bottle of... Uh, rye from them for no. the boss hog <laughs> not worth it <laughs> but we are going to go ahead and try the whistle pig piggyback here in a moment support yourself a glass and we'll do the tastings all right now that we all have a glass of the whistle pig piggyback age six years poured we're going to go ahead and do the tasting as always uh, we're going to start with the nose oh i like that nose oh yeah very good fruity yet spicy kind of a little bit of fruit but it fruit but i definitely get a like a whole bunch of like spice in there i get a lot of um like menthol and mint in there with it like that's what i really get is the menthol like the mint note in there and the spice note in there with a little bit of barrel char in there for me yeah absolutely oh it's it smells very good i mean this is i hate to tell it say it this might be like one of the my most favorite rides that I've ever tried. I mean, we've tried a couple Michter's rides that I like, but this, you know, this smells. I I don't know if I've shared it with you, but this smells um, very similar to the uh, New Rift Single Barrel Rye mm. that I have right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in that very minty and spicy note. Yeah, absolutely. Let's give it a let's give it a taste. Oh, first, cheers, sir. Cheers. Getting a lot of brown sugar, some caramel, some vanilla, a lot of sweetness to it, but also a lot of spice to go along. I kind of get like, I definitely get that uh, spicy note, but like when you talk about that sweetness with the sugar, that mint note for me comes even more so on the palate. I mean that, it dang near tastes like a a spearmint gum or something like Mm -hmm. that for me. Absolutely. And then I would say the, I mean, good finish, medium uh, on the tongue. Yeah. Similar t- similar notes to the, the, the mouth or to the, to the palate, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely, it necessarily, it isn't necessarily the most long lasting rye I've ever had or long lasting right. whiskey as a whole that I've had, you know, but it definitely want, makes you want to go back for more. Right. 100%. I mean, I think it, it it does hold its own with the with those Michter's rise with with the um, you know maybe maybe one of the Midwinter's Night Dram you know the, yeah. the rye from high from high um, high west high west, um, 
It's 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 in the conversation for one of the like the premier rise. Absolutely. Oh yeah, for sure. It's one of those things where you almost need to do lineups, some of those top ones, do like a blind taste test and really, yeah. really like hammer it out because Whistle Pig knows what they're doing. I think they are a little still a little pricier than I would prefer. Um, I would be excited to try some of the like the Boss Hog and some of the higher like really, oh, yeah. you know higher level ones because this ba- base level age six years is is really delicious. it's something good yeah. and like. It, if price is any indication on how good the better ones are, which it isn't, shouldn't always be taken as an right. indication. But if it is, like, this is a good floor to what? say, like, everything else is going to be good. Absolutely. If not, fantastic. Absolutely. All right, folks, that's it from us this week. Make sure you go over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, leave a review, uh, share every episode that you listen to of Distilled Discussions on your social media pages. We really do appreciate your guys' support. Have a great week. Pour yourself another whiskey. And don't worry, America. We'll be here to drink with you next week.